0: Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch there was was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born to four. And when they could not come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when he had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doeth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Where is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk, but that ye may know, that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, that if we go through this story, Lord, that we could learn some great spiritual truths from it. Let the Holy Spirit teach us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One thing I want to say before I get started, if you'll notice something, uh, James, talking about prayer, said, The effectual, fe- effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We get the idea that a lot of, a lot of the uh, years ago, anyhow, when they had these... Uh, preachers on TV uh, praying uh, they would have if you lay your hands on the TV and uh, pray for you and God will send you a thousand dollars or send you a million dollars or whatever if you pray for you uh, God will help you in your finances and, and then it wouldn't happen and uh, then they'd write in to him and say uh, it didn't work so to speak and he said well it's because of the lack of your faith now I'm gonna show you something that's very important here. Verse five When Jesus saw their faith, notice their faith. He said unto the sick of the potter, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. In other words, it's the people's faith that's praying that makes the difference. When you go to pray for somebody that's sick, it's not the one that's sick that has to have the faith. It's the one that's doing the praying to have the faith. And God will do what He says He will do. And so don't forget that. It'll help you when you're praying for people. But because a lot of people don't necessarily believe like you do. But God will still answer your prayer. Amen? And uh, that's a very important doctrine there. Uh, but anyhow, I want to go through this story for just a few minutes. Uh, the story of the man sick of the palsy. There's three things very quickly. Notice the many who hindered him. The few who helped him and one who healed him. Often in scriptures, Jesus verified the truth and demonstrated the significance of his work by the miracles he performed. For example, in John chapter 6 verse 35, Jesus claimed, I am the bread of life. And this was demonstrated in his healing, or feeding a multitude of people with five loaves and two little fishes in John chapter 6 Verses 5-14. through 14. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus claimed, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And it was demonstrated in giving light to the man born blind in John 9, verses 1-7. through 7. In John 11, verse 25, Jesus claimed, I am the resurrection of life. And he demonstrated that what he was by raising ladders from the dead. So, not only did Jesus declare by mouth the unique nature of his person, but he demonstrated the truth that his he, that he claims were made were valid. In other words, uh, Jesus said, I am the Son of God, and he proved it. No man can forgive sins with God. So, here in Mark chapter 2 is another illustration of this very thing. There is only one person who can say to a man, Thy sin be forgiven thee, in verse 5. That one is the Son of Man, who has power over earth to forgive sins, in verse 10. Jesus proved that He and He alone had the authority to forgive sins by performing a miracle in the man's body, verses 9-11. through By healing this man, Jesus proved two things. Number one, it proved, without a doubt, Jesus is the forgiver of sins. Nobody else. Number two, it proved the fact that the man's sins had been forgiven. Now, I'd like for us to take a look at this positive man just for a minute. In this incident is a picture of a broken down humanity of men and women who are without Christ, having no hope, without God in the world, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Now, the positive man had a form of creeping paralysis. And this this condition describes the spiritual condition of men and women who are a part of Christ today. Isaiah 1 verse 5 and 6. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head there is no soundness in it. Now he's talking about a saved person. This man was incurable, he was powerless, he was helpless, and had to be carried by others. He had no doctrine of help of ever being better. People don't like verses like Jeremiah 17 verse 9, where the Bible said Where man's heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked." People don't like to hear that. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 9, 19, The whole world lies in wickedness. Now notice, the greatest longing of all this man's heart was to be healed. But, the most important thing this man needed and the most urgent thing this man needed was to be forgiven of his sins. Now get this please, Jesus is preaching. Great crowd crowd together and, and around a flat blue house Jesus was in. Four of these men's friends, this man's friends, carried him into the presence of Jesus in hopes he would perform a miracle and heal him. Now it's easy to picture this picture, uh, to admire the determination of the four helpers, to imagine the consternation of the crowd, to listen to the objection of the scribes, to hear the pardoned word of the Savior, and witness the miracle Jesus performed. But, what this man needed first of all, was the healing was not the healing of the body, but the saving of the soul. Every time you read in the Bible of Jesus healing somebody, He's proven something to us. He's proven He's the healer. He's the one that forgives sin. And He's the one that takes care of the body. And He, does, he proves it. Now, Notice some three things here very quickly. The many who hindered him. Now look at verse 2 with me, please. Chapter 2, verse 2. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now notice the people who crowded together in the house were the hinders of this one needy man getting to Jesus. Now the sad truth is there are always plenty of people who either deliberately or unconsciously hinder others from coming to Christ. And, notice, who criticize those who do come to Christ. Remember blind Bartimaeus in Luke chapter 18, verse 38 and 39? They criticized them for trying to help him. The children of Salem... uh, In Matthew chapter 19, where Jesus said, "Suffer the little children to come unto me," and the disciples said, "No, uh, get away from the Savior," but Jesus said, "Bring them to me." Uh, Many anointing Mary anointing Jesus in Mark chapter 14, and the disciples said, "She should have sold that ointment and got the money for it." Now notice something here: (coughs) the real hindrances were not the crowd, but it was the scribes. These are Bible students. These are religious people. The religious, critical, proud scribes. Now look at verse six and verse seven. But there were certain other scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doeth this man thus speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sin, but God only? Now, in the modern Pharisees of today, who hinder people coming to Christ? Like a man that years ago, when I first got saved, I was laying brick and I uh, was in the Union, and they have somebody on each side, a man building the corner over here and man building over here, and then you put a line and fill in between, the two of you do, and I got saved while working there with this man. And I come to work on Monday morning after I got saved. I said, "Boy, I got glory! You saved this week, man! I'm so happy! I'm saved!" Now this guy had been cussing and carrying on, I used the vilest language you'd ever heard in your life till I mentioned that I was saved by God's grace. And then all of a sudden, boy, he was talking about the Lord, and he wanted let me tell you about the book of Revelation. Man, I know all about the book of Revelation, and he didn't know nothing about it. And he was hindering other people. And remember this, there's always somebody around you listening, and you don't know which one, I like what an old preacher said, you better watch when you get in the crowd, and you get in an argument with a fool, because the people who are listening won't know which one's the fool. And I've thought about that many a time. Now, Paul warned young Timothy about this kind in Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 5, uh, that Uh, would have a form of godliness but die in the power thereof from such turn away the unsaved don't want their religion uh, again when I was with Shell Oil Company uh, our boss come by one day and and said I want you to go to dinner with me and the engineers some of the engineers with Shell Oil and I went to dinner with them and uh, I he, my boss, everybody got in. and I got to dinner, and we were sitting at the table. He said, "You might as well wait. is going to ask the blessing." And so uh, they waited. And I asked the blessing. When I got through asking the blessing, the man sitting right beside me, now been smoking a big old cigar and talking all kind of dirty jokes and everything. And he said, "I didn't know you was a Christian. You got saved." He said, "I'm a deacon of First Baptist Church," and he told me where. Now, i got news for you. Everybody sitting around that table already saw what he was. Amen? And what I'm saying to you is uh, people hinder other people from coming to the gospel. And Timothy warned us. They are people that have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. In other words, get out from around them. The few who helped him. Now, only four men interested enough to get someone to Jesus out of hundreds here. The initial inspiration had to begin with one man. Think about it. Here's a man crippled. Now, here the Bible records four men bringing him to Jesus. But the initial inspiration for that brain had to start somewhere, and it had to start with one. And then he said to the others, uh, Come and help me. Now there's some great lessons you can learn from these four men. These men believed Jesus could heal him. Now look at verse 5 with me for just a minute. When Jesus saw their faith, so they had faith enough to believe that Jesus could do it. Amen? And so uh, there was men who believed that Jesus could heal him. The kind of people that bring others to Christ is that people believe that whosoever will may be saved. I love this morning. I had the best time this morning. I really did. Two things happened to me and just threw my soul. Uh, the little girl came in, she come just grinning from ear to ear. And she come in, sat down with me, and she said, I want to get saved today. And she said, I've been thinking about it all week. I want to get saved today. And her mother came with her and sat down And She's really mean to preach. She wants to get saved. And I said, and I thought about over the years of people that I've been around that said, that little child can't understand. Uh, they don't know what they're doing, and they, they'll say everything in the world about a little girl like that coming to Christ and hindering them to come to Christ. The other thing that I, I got such a thrill about, I gave the little girl who was baptized last Sunday a little Bible this morning that I try to give to all the little kids that get baptized or saved, and uh, her mother carried it back to her, and she was sitting back there, and she'd run up here and grab me and hug me and thank me for the Bible. And then when we, when we was reading, get the new look from the old book, Buddy hers was up here. <laughs> now that just thrilled me to death, amen. I got news for you, these kids know. And, uh, and uh, they, there are people, though, that will see things and people getting saved. I remember one man getting saved, and he was a mean man. Everybody knew he was a mean man. And he came in church, and everybody whispered, Do you know who that is sitting back there on the back row? Do you know who that is? That's the meanest man in town. And the invitation was given, and down the aisle he came and asked the Lord to say, Do you think he really got saved? <laughs> Instead of rejoicing, praise God, he got saved. Do you really think he meant it? I laughed at Dr. Curtis Hutchinson. He said one time uh, he used to put in the paper when he had the, uh, the biggest uh, fundamental independent Baptist church up there in, uh, just outside of Atlanta. And every week he would put in the paper, every Monday morning he put in the paper how many they had saved, and baptized in the church, and so on. And this man across town. Baptist preacher called him. He said, yeah, I know. You say you had so many saved, but how many really got saved? And Dr. Hudson said, I didn't know you could get saved and really get saved. He said, you either get saved or you don't. Amen? And he said, and by the way, how many did you have saved? So just because they don't have people saved don't mean somebody else can't get saved. Amen? And there is a many a person Who will hinder people from coming to Christ? But then there's one who healed him. Of course, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is this man called Jesus who can not only work miracles, but he can forgive sins? Now, I love to pray for people. Ain't no doubt about that. And I've been called many a time by a bedside or in a home just to pray for somebody that's sick. And you know where I always begin? I begin with, are you saved? Are you a child of God? And if you're not, I want to lead you to save your faith in Christ. Now, you can pray with them. But first of all, they need to be saved. Amen? And think about this if you got healed of no matter what infirmity of the body you got, if you got healed and went to hell, what good is it? It ain't going to do you no good. The most important thing is to get saved first. I'd rather be saved by the glory of God and to suffer everything in the world and not be healed. I'd rather be saved. And that's the whole matter of this story. Everybody needs to be saved. And everybody needs to quit criticizing people who come to Christ and go out and encourage somebody in cooperation. You know the Bible says some water some plant, some water, and some reap. I I went to, I can't remember now where it was at, but in Oh yeah, it was a little lady down here. I could carry her out to the house. I went and knocked on her door one time, just knocking on the door, going down the street. And this little lady said, uh, I said, I'm Pastor Strong, Brandon Fellowship Baptist Church. She said, thank God. She said, I've been praying all morning Did somebody come by and talk to me about the Lord. Now you think about that for just a minute. I ain't the first one that she heard that from. Somebody else had to talk to her. But I, I got to pluck the apple. It was ripe. God worked in her soul because somebody else had passed out a track, gave it to her, or witness to her, or wrote her a letter in some way or another. I had a lady used to come to our church, and, and she said, Pastor, my mother is not saved. She lives in California. And I can't afford to go out there and witness to her. I can't afford to go see her. I said, I will tell you what to do then. To sit down and write you a letter and tell your mother how much you love her and how much the Lord loves her. And then go right down to the plan of salvation in the Bible in the letter and send it to her and tell her how to pray and how to ask the Lord to save her. And she did and her mother got saved. And so what I'm saying is, don't say it can't be done. Yes, it can. And don't let somebody hinder you from helping somebody come to Christ. Because God can use you. That's what this story is all about. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name you'll bless us tonight as your people. It's been a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Just to watch you work in people's lives. The thrill of people watching you and listening to your word, Lord, and watching them touch their hearts. What a thrill it is to be in the house of the Lord. When David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, I understand what he's talking about now. Bless us as your people tonight and go with us on our way home now. Watch over us, see us back safely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight.